0: Isaiah Lamb made the right decision to go to the NFL Combine and work out as a defensive lineman, but did he do it effectively? Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast. Your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, have, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. Every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives right here at the bottom of the screen. And if you're on the audio side of things, don't forget the S on the end. Tennessee state season is over, but they chose to focus on the journey of not just this year, but multiple years rather than the ending of this season. And Isaiah Land went to the NFL combine, did the right thing, worked out as a defensive lineman. But did he do it effectively? Did he do it effectively? Those are two questions, two parts that I need to explain. First off, why did he make the right decision? Why do I feel like this was even a decision to work out as a defensive lineman? Because you've seen him with his hand in the dirt for years. Especially these, two, these last two years where he started getting more buzz. So you know him as a defensive end. Why is it a, a decision to do this? Well, you look at the senior bowl and he worked out as a linebacker. That seemed more out of necessity, but we'll get to that later. There's three reasons Oh, excuse me. And as tweeners, there's often a decision that needs to be made on whether or not he's going to work out as a linebacker or a defensive end. Defense alignment, really. You look at a guy like TJ Watt, he worked out as a linebacker. You look at a guy like Hassan Reddick; he worked out as a defensive end. Now, granted, they both play edge, but then also their journeys are different. That's not this podcast. You can go to the Eagles podcast, Cardinal podcast, or Steeler podcast. If you want to talk about the journeys of those, of those two players. The three reasons I feel like this was a good decision to work out as a defensive lineman is because A, that's what he sees himself as. B, this is his bread and butter. And then C, that's what teams have him on the board for. So let's look at what he sees himself as. At the senior bowl, he worked out as a linebacker. He came in at 226, He came out at 236 this time. That's really good. That's 10 extra pounds. I don't know if his stock might have really went down if he stayed at 226 at the combine. So I want to commend him for that. And I think he gets a 240, that's a good foundational weight. But he sees himself as a defensive end, I believe. That's what he sees himself as. Because that's what he's played so often. I think he believes he's a hand-in-the-dirt guy. I think he's a stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker, still an edge nonetheless. It's just T.J. Watt versus Hassan Reddick. That's the the comparison, right? But because that's what he sees himself as, why wouldn't he work out here? This is not the time to come through and be like, "Oh, I'm going I'm to show I have this versatility Probably not what he's been trying to work on this offseason. So now you get to the fact that it's his bread and butter because those two things kind of align. You see that from the, the way that he reacted to rushing the passer at the senior bowl. Oh, I'm excited to do it. These two things kind of go together. The idea of what he sees himself as and his bread and butter. They're very similar because I see myself as an edge. I was excited to rush the passer. And you know what? On the one pass rush snap that he had in the senior bowl, he got a sack. This is what he does. He rushes the passer. So when you're trying to go and put your best foot forward, not just trying to show, oh, I can do all these things. I'm trying to put my best foot forward. I'm going to go ahead and do that with what I do best, what I've been doing for years. Even if I've been practicing some off-ball linebacker drills, I'm not going to go do it because that's not what I do exceptionally. You feel me? So that's what he's. That's that's why I think it is. And also, I think if he would have heard most people saying that he's a off-ball linebacker in their mind, he would have worked out as an off-ball linebacker. And that brings me to my very last reason. That's why he's on people's boards. During the Senior Bowl, I clamored about how he looked good as an off-ball linebacker. And I still stick to that. I think it's great that he showed that. And for certain people, that put him back on the board. I said that then. I'm not backtracking on it now. But the truth is, if Isaiah Land is on your board, I will say 75% to 80% of the boards that he's on For NFL teams is because of what he's done as a defensive end why not go work out as that that's what they see you as and while I understand the appeal of being an off-ball linebacker and working out as an off-ball linebacker especially at his size I look at the three boxes that I put out there what does he see himself as edge what is his bread and butter edge what are most teams likely having him on their board for edge So while being a linebacker and and at the combine is kind of appealing to show that you can do both, you go with what you do best and what most people want you to be. And if you haven't heard the chatter that people want you to be an off-ball linebacker, just assume that they want you to be an edge player until they tell you otherwise, then you deal with it. But if you're going to be a defensive lineman at the combine, it's on Isaiah land to prove he's one of the most athletic players in that group. Was he able to do that, though? I have five numbers that'll answer that question as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the Swiss Army knife of protein bars, the absolute best bar on the market, bar none. It doesn't matter who we're talking about. I've had them all. I see them in Walmart. I see them in Sam's Club. And you know what I do when I see these other these other protein bars? I just keep walking. I can't even stand the sight of them. I just, you ever see somebody in public like nope I'm just gonna keep my eyes forward eyes forward. we're not looking we're not looking that's exactly how I walk past all of these built bars or excuse me as I walk past all of these protein bars until I see built bar that's the one that's the number one they have chocolate uh, chocolate chip cookie dough they have s'mores they have puffs they have they have the, the regular built bars they have the built bar granola bars they have everything and I love them because they're so versatile and I'm talking about Walmart I'm talking about Sam's Club you can go get them right now at your local Walmart, at your local Sam's Club, put me into your AirPods, put me into your earphones, your headphones, your car. Just go ahead and go to them right now. But if you can wait, I'll give you 15% off by using the promo code LOCKED15 when you go to the website Built.com. Go to Built.com and use the promo code lock 15 to get 15% off your offer or rush over to Sam's and Walmart now before they run out. And let's continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball. It gives you everything you need around the sport of college basketball in one place, wherever you listen or watch your podcast. And we're going to continue with Isaiah Land because did he display the athleticism required at the combine? There's five numbers, five numbers ish, kind of five and a half numbers, depending on how you look at it. That'll really answer that question. We've already decided that, you know, from positional dri- from positional drills, he made the right decision to work out as a defensive lineman. But these are way more generic. These are like the 40-yard dashes. These are the things that most people, when they're thinking about the combine, it's the first thing that pops in their head. These are the things that everybody does. So even if you did think he was a linebacker, say you're a scout for, I don't know, I'll just say the... the I was gonna say Seattle. Some tells me that he'd be a defensive end there, just because they they would do that. Let's just say the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know. I'm just gonna throw somebody out there. Let's say you're scouting the Minnesota Vikings. You're like, yeah, I think he's a I think he's a linebacker. These are all drills that he would have done, even if he did work out with the linebackers, and you can kind of fit him to what he would have been there. So let's start off with the 40 yard dash. He ran a 4.62. Not great to me. I didn't like. I didn't think he moved fluidly. In his first 40 yard dash, I thought it was a little choppy. I thought he looked better in the second one. Could it easily be nerves. Could it be anything? But I thought that he had a much better second run than first run. Time wasn't great. I would have liked to see him in the four fives. That's probably what I'm looking at. Probably the four five range, I think, would have been a little bit more ideal. Probably a little bit more to where I wanted it to be. But that's okay. Four six two is what it is. Not a terrible time. Just not what I wanted. You look at his 10 yard split, which is way more important. For a defensive end, that's the number that a lot of people look at to show the get-off and things of that nature. He ran a 165. Once again, not great to me. Maybe running and speed just isn't his thing. That's okay. But I didn't think these were great running metrics, personally. So you get to the 40 yard, excuse me, the vertical, and then I thought he did pretty well. 34 and a half. That's a nice jump. You know, it wasn't quite top five, but I thought it was a pretty good jump. You look at his broad, he he jumped a 10-6. Now, a 10-6 broad jump, that's good. That's really good. That ended up being number three. Yes, he was third in the group. So remember, we're talking about what was he able to do relative to everybody in the group. I didn't think the 40 was great. I thought the vertical was pretty solid. It was a pretty solid 40 amongst every, or excuse me, vertical amongst everybody. The broad was really good. Third best broad jump of all defensive linemen, right? So that and you have players like him. Like, you have, like, a guy like Nolan Smith, who, out of Georgia, not the biggest frame. You have players who aren't that far away from what Isaiah and Lynn looks like. It's not like he's just competing against 290 defensive tackles when you're talking about the defensive lineman group, or 270 defensive ends. Like, it's not just that. He's dealing with players who are similar to his size. And he was number three. Then you look at his three cone. That was 7-2. That was fifth. So, amongst the group, pretty solid. You know, like... You're looking at the vertical. You're looking at the the broad. You're looking at the three cone. Once you get past the speed, it's like, eh. So those are five-ish numbers, right, even though the 10-yard split is an unofficial thing. But the thing I really want to look at is the RAF score. That's The, the NFL Combine, they have their own athletic score. It wasn't great for Land. It was it was okay. It wasn't great. He ranked, like, 27th amongst, I think, the, the positional group, I think. So it wasn't great. But the RAF score is kind of this thing where you combine speed, they have a speed grade, they have a, a, a size grade, they have a an explosion grade, and an agility grade. Those are the four grades, and then you see poor, good, or poor, okay, and great are the three categories, and then they combine to make a score. He was okay as a defensive end. If you're wondering, he was great as a linebacker. It's only a .13 metric, or a .13 point difference between each metric, so like, he was a 7.87 as a defensive end. He was an eight as a linebacker. Really not that much of a difference. Really not. And his size as a defensive end really brought him down because he's 236. That's a small size. Like, that's poor. And as a defensive end, his size was poor. So that really, was, that's really what brought him down. But I'll say this. Athletically, I don't think this was a great performance by Isaiah Lamb when you're looking at the numbers. I think he made the right decision to work out with the group he did athletically, as a totality, probably not the greatest. I didn't think his speed was phenomenal. I really didn't. But his explosion was top tier. That's what you need. The the lack of a 10-yard split, that was great. The 40-yard dash, it really isn't that important for his position. That wasn't great. It's like whatever for those. But when you get to the the vertical, you get to the broad jump, that tells me he can explode. I'll take that. Those quick twitch type of things. Maybe running just isn't his thing. I'll take those quick twitch type of exercises and say I'll. I think that's more applicable to coming off the line and, and jumping to snap count things of that nature, as opposed to the ten yard split. That I'm, maybe I'm being hopeful. Maybe I'm being I'm ho- maybe I'm being a homer. But his explosion was for sure good. You look at linebacker, defensive end in the RAS score. He had a great explosion grade both times. Doesn't matter, right? His vertical and broad were great for a defensive end. His broad was great for a linebacker. It was okay. His vertical was okay as a linebacker. But either way, you're looking at great, great explosion scores for Isaiah Land, and that's what I think he needed to do. More than just being athletic, he needed to show that he was explosive. He needed to show that he had get-off. He needed to show those things that could translate into the NFL game. And I think he did that part pretty well. And going forward, Tennessee State season is over, but they're not really crying about it. They cried about it in the locker room, but once they got on the the stand, Coach Collins, he reflected on the journey that was 2022 to 2023. Let's get into this while we discuss as we continue with Locked on HBCU. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU. Shout out to you for making it to segment three. Thank you two times for that first listen and segment three listeners. I really do appreciate it. In Tennessee State men's basketball has reflected on a great journey as their season ends, as opposed to just focusing on the ending itself. And you know that's that's a way that some people do. Some people don't. You know, right after I'm talking about immediately the press conference right after. A lot of people will cry. A lot of people be emotional. A lot of people be upset. And I, I'd be I'd fit into that category. That's the category I'd probably be in. But you see Coach Collins come up there and after losing in the first round, he focused more on the journey and everything that was achieved as opposed to how it ended. So I'll treat this segment the same way. They lost to Southeastern Missouri in the first round of the OVC tournament. They allowed a, a run at the end of the first half. They fouled a bunch in the second half and you're not going to come back. And you put your your opponent in the bonus thirteen minutes left in the game. Not gonna happen. You know, so that's how they end up losing. It, it is what it is. I said that Tennessee State had the and this is probably just a, a pat on the back moment for me, but I said that Tennessee State had the hardest path to the OVC finals. That was true. How? mouth of the south they they lost in the first round. how How could you possibly know? Okay, well, I know who they played and who they lost to. I know who they would have played. And then the game after that was the finals, right? Uh, th- that's agreed. They were they had a buy, a buy into the second round. So I know who they played, Southeastern Missouri. Had they won, the next team already had a buy. They were playing Moorhead State. It's not no, all oh, things could have been different. No, that was going to happen for sure. Well, Southeastern Missouri won the OVC. Southeastern Missouri beat Moorhead State. You're looking at a team that you lost to that was the eventual champions, You're looking at, so that's even more powerful than when I said they're the five seed, the best team coming out the opening round. You're looking at the eventual OVC champions with your first round matchup. Of course you lost that. But had you won, you would have then had to face the number one seed in the OVC, a team that you hadn't beaten all year. And then had you beat them, had you finally got over that, said the third time is the charm, then you would have to face whoever made it to the finals. Essentially the second best team. That's a difficult route. And I think that Southeastern Missouri proved it. Even though Tennessee State lost in the first round, we can still see just how difficult that path would have been. But I told you I'm not going to focus on that too much. Still, let's look at the journey because that's what Coach Collins did. Coach Collins came on, he talked about the attendance and how great it was from the Nashville fan base. He came on, he talked about how 18 wins is one of the better seasons that Tennessee State's had recently. Like He talked about all of these things as opposed to focusing on how it ended. They had a really good run during this year. They looked like they were about to be like they were about to They looked like they were about to make a little bit more noise than they did. But they also faced a team that they split with. Like like this wasn't an easy game by far. But they had a really good year. You gotta give them that. Um he focused on junior clay because he felt like Clay should have won the O V C. He didn't harp on the fact that he didn't. He gave his resume, gave his credentials, said how he was leading in, in, in points and, and assists and all of these things. But like clay who was sitting right there next to him he hadn't got to the point of that coach collins had coach collins was on some like yeah i cried it out in the locker room but i'm content now i he even said i'm not as mad as i am for many other regular season losses you could just tell it felt like he had come to terms with what it was right and maybe that was to be composure for his team i don't know but he cried in the locker room as he said and then came out and was significantly different like if he didn't tell me he cried in the locker room i just would have thought he didn't but he talked about Junior Clay had one of the best OVC careers, OVC player or all OVC player five years in a row. Obviously, that's because of COVID and those type of things. So nobody probably will ever do that again. But nevertheless, he was able to do it. And, you know, just talking about how he was a great player for him, and how he's going to miss coaching him. And Junior Clay came up when he had his answers and they asked him questions. It was about the journey of Tennessee State. It was about being here, being or being there. Rather, it was about all of those things. They didn't even talk about the game. Once they got past, what happened? We had turnovers. Uh, we allowed a run. Can't do that. weren't able to make it back. Once we got past that, it was all about the journey over the last couple of years. And overall, that feels like a team that said, "You know what? We're about to lose Junior Clay. We're about to lose our guy, but we're right here. We're still going to restock. We had a really good year, and though we lost in the first round, the message was we're still building." And trust and believe that first round or second round, depending on how you look at it, first game exits are not going to be a thing of the future. Now, on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about the in the MEAC in the, in the Swag tournament. We're going to be previewing them because the brackets have been set in the game. Start on Wednesday, Wednesday, the 8th. So you guys need to be looking forward to that. I'm going to go ahead and preview that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day for your second listen make sure you're checking out locked on college basketball for everything you need around this sport right here in one place wherever you get your podcast whether you listen or you watch in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me you can find me on twitter at south exclusives until the next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace